Hey guys, welcome to Bagging the Boardcast, episode number 460. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. And we're a weekly podcast that comes to you in three ways. The first being The Week in Geek, bringing you the top geek stories of the past week. Next is The List, the comic books coming out October 13th, 2021. Now we follow it up with our weekly rotating main topic, and this week we're going to be taking a look back at some of the comic books that we bought and then read in September 2021. Wow. I'm very excited about that. I think I, are you? Because I'm not. Uh, I like the book that I bought. I was going to say, I like the book that you bought too, but man... I- I had other books that I bought that I cut off the list because I didn't like them. And then at the end, I was like, well, I need to have one book on there still, I guess. <laughs> well, you know what? Sometimes the books don't make us happy. But you know what usually makes us happy? Beer. And uh, we're all drinking, right, guys? Yeah. So, of course. We're, I'm doing a podcast. I've never done a podcast and not drank. You, there's been times he had a cold or something, right? No. Oh, I still drink. Oh, okay. I think even well, the times well, that I've been sick, I still drink something, but it'll be like tea I with can't whiskey taste in it. it. <laughs> like, yeah. I've had tea. I, I, I guess I'm the only one that comes here with the non-alcoholic and actual like tea reviews and stuff like that. So, yeah. cool. But I am drinking tonight. John, you got up because you didn't like this beer or you finished your beer and you were going to get another one. So I was going to get another one. No, I got up because I always forget to turn off my humidifier. Uh, uh, <laughs> so, I, I got up real quick to turn that off. Uh, but I'm drinking from Brew Dog. This is a collab with Iron Maiden. And this is their Hellcat American Indian Pale Lager coming in at 6%. Um, it's kind of a cool uh, Iron Maiden skeleton face, but it's on a badass tiger. Or is that a lion? It's a lion. Oh, my. Uh, but this is actually a really nice super crushable beer. Um, it's got a really nice kind of floral, tropical note to it. The body is definitely of a lager. The hop is really nice there. It's not overpowering. This is a really nice, really nice beer. And when I was speaking to the Brewdog rep, he was like, I think this is my favorite beer Brewdog's ever put out since mm. I've worked with him, or just of the beers that they have. And I can see that. Like, I really like this. I do enjoy their other beers. They're not stuff that I would go back to. Um, their Elvis juice, which is their grapefruit IPA is pretty good. They have, um, hazy IPA. That's pretty decent for the price point. Um, both of them too, you can get in 12 packs, but they're, they're 16 ounce cans in the 12 pack um, for like 1799 and 20, 20, 2099. Like it's a pretty decent 12 pack um, for a decent beer. I think people, you know, they, they look over brew dog. I think some of the time, um, but they do have some pretty good, good beer and pretty good, um, pricing on their products but Hmm. this is definitely i'd have to say if you guys see this out i'd say pick it up paul this would be a really good disc golf beer Uh, i have to check it out because normally when i go to brew dog it's for their non-alcoholics they usually the stores that i go to carry about three of those non-alcoholics that they have 
Uh, Hazy AF is one Nanny, of them. Nanny, Nanny State. State. And uh, there's uh, one other that I'm forgetting. And they're all pretty much interchangeable. Like, I don't notice the difference between the three, like, non-alcoholic IPAs they put up. Um, they're okay. I'd rather go with athletic. But, you know, sometimes in the pinch, you, you, you get what you can get. Or the partake. You said you really oh, like the partake. Partake is uh, next le- is pretty is pretty next level, and then uh, but that barrel of, uh, barrel brothers is a step above that even. So, except you got to drink those because they do explode on you for some weird reason. Never heard back from them. Uh, so I spoke to a couple breweries because I've had we've had a couple local breweries who have been having their cans explode. Mm-hmm. And the one guy was like, eh, I don't know why. And I was like, hmm, I don't know. The other guy was pretty open about it and said, don't buy your cans from China. We bought oh. all these cans from China. All of them, like, all they of them exploded. Hold. Just because like, of the, the packaging shortage that we were running into with, like, Ball not being able to make enough cans? No, they got these before that. Oh, okay. Oh. So it wasn't even anything like that. It was just like, oh, we got this deal with this company, and they said they had these cans. Then we found out they were from China, and there was something with either how American beers pressurize or what, but the the lid just didn't stay on them, and after a certain amount, the pressure just would pop the tops off. Weird. It's almost like the one episode, the one of the two episodes that I've seen of Bob's Burgers, where uh, Bob's ghost changes his meat vendor, and it turns out the price was so good because it was horse meat. It wasn't. I haven't watched Bob Burgers in a long time, so oh wow, it was a really good show. I just got bad at watching TV. It when we were when Kate and I were on vacation, uh, one of the places we stayed at had uh, a satellite dish. And it was like one of the things that, like, when we turned on the TV, it was like one of the first things we stopped on. Because who channel surfs anymore, right? Uh, and I'm like, oh, Chris likes the show. And we, we, you know, it caught us, like, it had us laughing within the first, like, 30 seconds oh, of yeah. watching it. And so we uh, ended up watching two episodes. And then something else, came, American Dad came on. And I'm like, eh, never mind. Well, Paul, on that vacation, you went to a couple of breweries. Are you drinking anything yeah. from a brewery, and- perhaps? We, I am. Thanks for getting it back on topic. And it was uh, Kate's birthday this weekend. Uh, so we were down in the village of Hamburg, and I stopped into Butera's, which is a very small local uh, craft brewery and craft pizza maker. They do have a very small brewery on site, and I am now drinking their VBH Amber Ale. And this is um, a little weak sauce up front, not much flavor, and then it just has that not a good malt aftertaste, like a weird kind of malt aftertaste. Uh, bought it directly from them, so I can't imagine it being old. Um, 16, 16.9 fluid ounces per the can, uh, 5.5% alcohol by volume. I did pick up a mixed four-pack of this 16.9-ounce cans, um, and it cost me $16, which is a little price. I think a little, you know, that's four bucks a beer. Yeah. Which is a little pricey, especially since I picked out, like, you know, an amber and a red. Um, so far, not very impressed with it. Um, 
if if, it, if a buddy of mine brewed this and handed it to me, like, hey, I made this, I'd be like, wow, decent, good for you guys, like, good for good for you, like. But this is from a quote unquote craft brewery. I know it's a small operation. I know it's a small joint. And is it a brewery or just like a brew pub? They they brew their own and they can it there. They brew and can on site. So that's a brewery at that point, right? I would say yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess, yeah. You know, I don't know. What's the distinction? Where's the line? I don't know. I guess, like, a brew pub is a place that brews their beer with the sole intention of yeah, just selling it at it. the restaurant. Tank, uh, tank to okay. tap, kind of. Yeah, it yeah, but they you would only be able to get a, you know, maybe a growler or a crawler from them. They want to package it and have it to go. Yeah. Right? Or agree. maybe they started it to go... Because they started, they opened up in uh, 2015, from what the can says. Um, so maybe they started the to-go stuff, you know, for COVID and canning. So I'm not sure. I don't know the whole background, even though they are very local to me. Uh, right now with this amber, I'm not kicking down any doors to go back. But hopefully I got two more from them. Uh, actually, three more, but only two more that I'm going to drink on the show, more than likely, unless we go real long. And then... Uh, We'll see if anything. What's my whistle? I guess right. Is that a thing? Yeah, yeah. that's a thing. People okay. say. Yeah, that's something that you've said that I've heard before. Oh wow! <laughs> so there's a lot of times where I say a phrase and you guys are like, "Paul, that's not a thing," and then I have to go, "Chris, what are you drinking?" To change the subject. Uh, went to my beer store the other day and I actually picked up a sampler pack from Abita Brewing out of Louisiana. And this is the Abita Party Pack, and it has four different beers from them, three of each style, 12-pack for $18. Um, I've pretty much crushed through most of this 12-pack the night that I got it home and then had to save one of each four tonight just to have it for the show because these are all very light, easy-drinking, crushable beers. And I'm starting off with their Amber Lager, uh, 4.5% ABV. Uh, yeah, it's an amber lager. It's got that nice kind of crispiness to it. It's got a nice kind of caramel malt to it. Um, I drank two in one day while I was doing meal prep the night that I got this home. Um, I used one of them actually in my meal prep because I'm like, eh, whatever. Throw it in with my pork. Like, that's fine. So, Julia Child of you. Yeah. I mean, if you have beer and you're making dinner, you're going to drink while you're making dinner, but you're also going to use your beer in your recipe. Like, it's just <laughs> how it goes. So I just threw it in with some of my pork as I was slow cooking it, because, yeah, why not? It's 4.5%. Yeah. There's not enough alcohol in it to do anything. It's going to cook off pretty quick. Um, that barbecue pork came out pretty good. So, uh, good beer. Uh, good. I, I, d- I did that with my uh, what I cooked for dinner tonight. Yeah. I added, I added some the beer that I opened... To add to the food and drink half of it, but I added it to my onions as they caramelized, yeah. and then I added it to my my roux for uh, my cheesy potatoes. I, I tried doing it uh, with my dinner tonight, but it just made my salad a little too wet. So. <laughs> hey! Mm. Yeah, uh, not bad. I think I have enjoyed everything from this sampler pack, and I'll be talking about the next three as we go through the show, but... Abita's just a good bargatory brewery. Like, all this stuff's really good, but I can't put any of the stuff that I'm having out of this pack over anything else. Like, they're, yeah. they're, they're a brewery that has not 
they have not decided to change what they're doing. This is the brute. This is the kind of beers that we make. This is what we make. They're traditional in a sense, but they're also, hey, we're in, <laughs> we're a brewery in Louisiana. It's hot. Let's make crushable, yeah. easy drinking beers. And that's the thing, Paul. When you told me like what your beers were like per can, I did the math on mine, and I basically spent a dollar fifty per can for these, and that's that's perfect. Like that's mm-hmm. that's absolutely yeah, fine. That's, that's a reason. That's place. swamp drinking. Like you're, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> I do have to ask because a beta for what you know because when we were getting into the craft beers like a beta always had great variety packs and along with Magic Hat and like those two for whatever reason are tied in my head because of the you know because that's the two main craft beers you know yeah. Southern Tier maybe got in there you know but they're for our time frame uh, linked uh, Magic Hat is now closed right or. No, or... uh, they've been bought and sold a couple times, but they're yeah. owned by uh, Fiefco, which owns Labatt's, Genesee, Prism, a couple other smaller places, Dundee. <sighs> um, but basically, number nine is the only thing being made. Yeah, I and haven't I, seen. I imagine pretty soon it'll just be like Genesee's... Jenny number nine. Oh, really? I because they did that with in. they did that with um, Honey Brown. Now it's just Genesee. Oh, I Genesee haven't had a Honey Brown lager in forever. That was one of my favorite, it's, like best of the bad beers. Like when we did that all those yeah. years ago. And then the red wasn't bad. Yeah, the red the red's better than the one that I'm drinking now. So Dundee is just is not it's the Honey Brown is now just Genesee Honey Brown, mm. which they put out in like. Six pack bottles, seven ninety nine for a six pack, and then twelve pack cans, which is like ten ninety five for a twelve pack. Mm-hmm. Which I'm like, that's that's some good fall drinking right there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So just to confirm, when you go to magichat.net, um, that's the official <laughs> Magic Hat Brewing Company's website. It literally just they're says, so bad they can no longer afford the dot com. Well, I'm sure Magic Hat was probably taken before, but. It literally just takes you to a page that says number nine, and then learn more about number nine, find number nine. Uh, up at the top for the header, it just says number nine. They have an about section, which kind of walks you through like, hey, this is where we got our start. And then they have a shop link, which has t-shirts on it. Um, if you click on the reclusive rarity section down on the bottom, they have some of their beers listed, but this is basically just a... Hey, here's what we used to make because underneath the header it says "Off to Never Neverland," and it's the stuff Ooh. like um, Blind Faith, which is really good, um, Miss Bliss, Humble Patience demo, the- Vinyl, Howl, Howl, uh, Howl is always Howl. really good. Yeah, which they have like some solid beers. Like, kind of so sad that what- they're not doing this anymore. So, what makes Abita successful, and what made Magic Hat basically closed down. Like, what's the difference? Because they're both two breweries that were kind of doing their own thing. Like, maybe it's just in my mind that I have them linked. You know, like I said before. Uh, Magic Hat was out of Vermont, was it? mm -hmm. I mean, just being in the Northeast, maybe they had enough other, you know, craft breweries that were kind of popping up that were doing more stuff or different stuff or better stuff. 
I don't know. They didn't if, have their local light rider dies. Basically, they didn't have their. I, I think, think that's it. You, I think Abita just has that market, and people want to drink beers from Louisiana. Like that's what they got. Like, and I, I don't. I think it's the same leadership throughout the whole thing. Mm-hmm. When we were loving Magic Hat beers because they were doing some really gay, great variety packs. Magic mm-hmm. Hat was everywhere. Yeah, Magic Hat was everywhere, and people liked them. And those guys that owned them, who were the creative people behind it, sold the brewery. And then the next people who took over, they're the ones that pro- I think did like Big Hundo and those things, and they just weren't working. And mm-hmm. then they sold again, and I think that's when Fifco it would. It used to be called American Brewcrafters. Uh, I think it was American Brewcrafters. They uh, they bought them, and they kept trying really hard to make them a thing, but they were overpricing all of their beers. It was like nineteen ninety nine for a Magic Hat variety pack, and I was just like, guys. This is too. This is too much money. You guys should be at the fourteen ninety nine range. You guys should yeah. be low. Why are you charging so much? And like, well, magic hat. And I was like, and now the brand is is it didn't basically have the, done. Didn't have the brand loyalty to sustain them through bad leadership. And Abita never had that bout of bad it, leadership. When I just googled quick. Um, Louisiana craft breweries. Abita is like the first one on the list. And it says that um, they started off in 1986. um, And they were kind of one of like the first big craft breweries in America. Mm -hmm. And then they just kind of grew enough. Um, And they're actually one of the 14th largest craft beer producers in the country. So I think it's just they had enough of a, a head start on other breweries they do decent enough beers and they have a wide enough distribution footprint that they're probably able to just put that stuff out there. And again, like I think if we had to look back, you know, jump in the time machine to do this and look at the quality, I think magic hat was like a step above, but if they just weren't able to keep growing their brand and keep that product coming out there, I get it because I think I've had more different styles from magic hat than I've had from Abita. But I we think even, Abita doesn't like we, try different things. We even continued to buy Magic Hat until their beers turned us off from the brewery. Mm-hmm. And that's like, we just stopped drinking them because we were like, uh, we, got, we got the variety pack. I didn't like anything in it. Like, mm-hmm. Or I got the variety pack and I liked this, but they put six number nines in it. Nine and they got two yeah. of the other yeah. ones. Like, they forced you to stop liking them. Where Abita's like, this is us. These are our beers. You can like them. You cannot like them. But there's enough people who do. Yeah. Like, I'm at the point where I no longer even buy the Sam Adams variety pack. Uh, you know, when, because I would only buy that at the holidays. Because I would, you know, the Christmas party. Yeah, you go in and come back this year, I think. Uh, uh, so, you know, book your tickets now, Chris. Uh, <laughs> um, I would just say, when I actually went to my beer store and I was checking out the seasonal release section, they did have the uh, Sam Adams like sampler pack there. And I looked at it, I was like, oh, you know, 
what do they have in there? Like, do they have the blackened brew by any chance? And it was basically just like cherry wheat. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had their pumpkin, and then it was like Boston Lager, and I was like, yeah, I don't mm-hmm. need to pick up that twelve pack. Kind of. That's why I stopped buying the Magic Hat variety packs because number nine kept on getting packaged in with it, and also Sam Adams. You always got the Boston Lager packaged in with them. And also, my friends have all moved on from that style of craft beer as well. Like, none of them are like, well, what, what kind of craft? Oh, I'll, I'll just have a Boston Lager because it's safe. They know what it is. Like, it, you know, none of us need that safe beer anymore in our variety pack. Let's, we're all, like, when this comes to the Christmas party, everybody wants to try something new. They, they all bring what they would like. Yeah, like, I don't need that fridge filler. No, and also, I mean, uh, we're going to, the, you know, we're going to Paul's Christmas party. You're drinking fucking... a ton of Paul's homemade eggnog because it's phenomenal. It freaking fills you up. Maybe, and maybe it's... while you're drinking that eggnog, you're talking about some of the current events that have been happening. Yeah. Oh my goodness, guys! We were like Lowe's and Home Depot right there. Did you see that they already got their Christmas stuff out? No, I did not. No, they got yeah, they got the Christmas decorations out already. They're already pushing it aside, putting it into like the clearance area, the Halloween stuff. We're recording on October sixth, by the way. Um and we got some news. Uh news from like last week. Didn't really talk I don't think we talked about it, but Scarlett Johansson and Disney have settled out of court and uh guys, Tower Terror, back on. Everything's funky dory again. Everybody's happy. Uh, we don't know the settlement, right? Like, no, I, I didn't see anything paid. what it was, but it was, it had to have been at least what she would have gotten if it had just gone straight out to, and when I say it, mm-hmm. I mean, Black Widow had been released straight to movie theaters in order for her to kind of come back and be like, okay, let's, let's continue to talk now because... It sounds like she was getting stiff on that deal. Mm-hmm. We talked about this previous weeks before, but, you know, good on her for sticking to her guns and going after them. And, you know, good on Disney for settling and paying up whatever they probably agreed to do to begin with. Yeah, I do have to say how wrong I was with this whole thing. I was like, guys, movie theaters done. Like, look, the big, like, tenant didn't make any money. Uh, like, how much money could they... Could Scarlett Johansson be really thinking that she would have made extra if it got released to the theaters only? And then, boom, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings comes out and makes over $100 million over the week. Uh, oh, not not over, but $94.6 million in its opening weekend. It was a three-day weekend with it being Labor Day here in the United States. Um, but still broke box office records for that weekend. Largest. And then... Well, uh, what well, Carnage comes out and makes over ninety million dollars. Venom let them there be Carnage, but also the numbers came out from um, Disney Plus too in court. And it, what was it like? It was another hundred and thirty million was made on Disney Plus from that sale. And if uh. you think. I know, I know we had mentioned it because the numbers did come out how many people watched it. And when you figure like $30 per household or a person that pays for it, it was something. Yeah. Because, I mean, I mean, 
that that thirty dollars is the price of two tickets, basically. But that that's two tickets that could be a family of four. It could be a family of five. Yeah, it could be somebody who also is who paid for it and is has other people on their account and who is another group of people are going to watch it. Like also, I think it also was one of the highest pirated movies in the last like year two. Uh, I think that would have been Fast 9 because, you know, that whole movie, the first Fast and Furious movie was all about pirated DVDs, right? Yes. I don't know. I've never seen it. Yes, but you, you, but you read the wiki on it. <laughs> I did read the wiki because I'm excited to watch them all eventually, maybe. Uh, where is Black Widow? Oh, Black Widow came out basically um, July. Uh, right? Black Widow has so far, it's the number two top grossing movie of 2021 with yeah. 183.6 million. Uh, Shang-Chi with number 80. one, like 207.3. Like, Yeah, Black Widow opened with $80.3 million, you know, uh, opening weekend. So, I, I really, and that was over the 4th of July weekend. But no, it's not no, just, it it's not, she doesn't, she doesn't just get paid for opening weekend. She gets made for that total gross. And total, when, right. when you take ha- basically half the amount of money you're going to make, if you, you take the total money they're going to make and then you cut it in half by putting it on TV, a paid service where people are still mm-hmm. paying to see your movie and not giving that person money for what mm-hmm. what they are supposed to earn i think it's a yeah. shitty deal and it's kind of oh, what yeah what disney and uh marvel are kind of all about if you look at their history well hbo and w uh, warner brothers also kind of got in heat too uh when they announced that they were going to release everything to hbo plus or hbo max day and day uh, with theaters and they cut a special deal with uh Oh my goodness, Jennings. Uh, what's her name? Uh, the, from the director of Wonder Woman and and Patty Patty, Patty Jenkins, Jenkins and uh, Gilly Goodall. Um, and, and they're like, okay, we're we've been made good, but you know, uh, but you, that's what you needed to do. They needed to go ahead and make a special deal with all the people that were getting the Disney Plus. Yeah, you know, and because. Uh, guys, it actually today is October sixth. It is actually free for everybody to watch right uh, now today. Uh, I, I will gladly put that on as I'm like folding laundry tomorrow because I enjoyed it. Um, something else I know I'm going to enjoy when this comes out. Uh, also on Disney Plus, Book of Boba Fett. This is not the Mandalorian season three. Rumors are that they just started filming that, uh, but this is going to be the Boba Fett spinoff. Picking up where we left off with him as the, I guess, new kid in town on Tatooine after he's taking over Jabba's crime syndicate from Bib Fortuna. Uh, coming out December 29th this year. So, Happy New Year, Merry Christmas, however you want to celebrate it. I'm excited for this. Still sad we haven't heard when we're getting Ander yet. Just want to say, that was one of the things that they had... Uh, Announced with Disney oh. Plus coming on like two and a half years now. I I think yeah, like on this the Disney Plus day, I think we're gonna get a trailer for Obi Wan, 
and I think we're going to get something about Andor. Because I believe I they've so. been filming it, didn't it? it uh, Diego Luna did say recently that they have wrapped filming on it, but... I did a mission for Cassie and Andor. I remember that. That was fun. And I hung out with K2SO. That was good. You did that. Yeah. It was part of the Disney Void. Or the yeah, the Void. Star Wars experience. Is that still a thing? Is the No, Void, uh, Void has actually shut down all of their facilities. Um, I don't remember I'm glad what, I did it then. what happened, but it was during the pandemic shutdown. Mm-hmm. And then once everything had closed, it just never reopened again, and they kind of like pulled out of all their, their spots. Mm-hmm. Well, that's kind of like Disney. We're going to do video games. We're not going to do video games. We're going to do video games. And then they don't. Uh, uh, was, and then they sell it to Blur. Oh, go ahead. I was going to try to come out with some sort of uh, pulling out to head into our next news story that John brought to us. Uh, the Game of Thrones House of Dragons trailer. Focusing on the House Targaryen 200 years before uh, A Song of Ice and Fire. Or Fire and Ice. I don't I never remember which one comes first. Ice and fire. Uh, Ice and fire. Um, yeah. Uh, it actually looks... I mean, and it's just like a teaser trailer, but it looks pretty good. You got a nice um, voiceover by Matt Smith, who's going to be one of the Targaryens in it. Yeah, he's got white hair. That's how you know he's a Targaryen. Yeah. Uh, I think they've been pretty smart to put enough... I think they put enough distance between that last season of Game of Thrones to when this was going to come out. Because these, I think they had three shows listed that they were going to do after the season finale. And then two of them went away. Well, one of them was like celebrating like the Confederacy and that one fell off the table real quick. Uh, I don't remember what they were supposed to be doing something with star Wars too. And oh, not, that got not, swept not, the rug. not the, not the creators. Oh, they I were going to, no, yeah, no, they were going to do three spinoff shows gotcha, of okay. game of Thrones. And even, I think Peter Dinklage's character was going to have, he was going to have a show. Somebody else was going to, they were going to talk about doing a show. And then they were talking about like a prequel show. And then when everyone hated that season, those things all kind of got slept on, swept under the rug. But when they were launching Disney or uh, HBO um, Max or whatever it's called, that was the big thing of like, you're going to get the show. And now it's been like two years and now you're fi- we're finally getting that show, but... That last season put such a stain on how good that show is. Because even my mother-in-law has gone like, you know, I'd really like to go back and re-watch Game of Thrones. And I still look at her like, why? It doesn't have a, like, everything mm-hmm. that show builds towards, it's awful. Like, that, that last season is so bad. And I defended it halfway through the show, halfway through the season, and then I was mm-hmm. like, mm, no, I can't. I can't do this any I can't do this anymore. Um but this actually I feel like it's put enough distance between that season finale to hear that people might they might 
want to get back into that world. And as long as it's really well done and the writing is there, hopefully, hopefully it'll be good. Yeah, I think people have fond enough memories of what they liked from Game of Thrones, and they may have hated and complained about that last season or the finale, but I think there's still enough good in that series to kind of redeem it and buy people's faith in this one. I've only watched like the first three episodes of Game of Thrones, and I've only read like the first four chapters of the book, and I have three of the books on my shelf. And, you know, but they're books on the shelf, so they look nice. So there you go. Uh, and speaking about kneecapping your franchise, uh, <laughs> did you guys ever like the Resident Evil movies? Because we're getting a relaunch. Uh, Kate and I like watching them for the over-the-top action movies that they are. Like uh, Mila Jovanovic, right? Mm-hmm. Jovanovic. Yeah. Uh, great. She's, she's an action star. She's amazing in those movies, you know, for what it is. But only in those movies. I haven't really seen... Well, no, she was great in... Uh, Ultraviolet? Because uh, multi- no, no, she wasn't. Multipass. Layla, she's Layla Fifth Multipass. Element? Yeah, that Multipass. Was, she's the Fifth Element. Yeah. yeah that, was, that was before... That was before she became Resident Evil. Like, she was okay. just... She was in a good action director's movie where the Resident Evil movies are her husband writing and directing those movies. Uh, I enjoyed the first one. And then after that, it was very much diminishing returns as they kind of strayed mm-hmm. further and further away from what made me like Resident Evil. But I guess I could say the same thing about the actual Resident Evil games as well, because I fell off of those just kind of in the same way. But Well, now there's vampires, Chris. I, and she's really tall. And that's all that's, I know about that. Yeah. It's not, it's not something I need. But yeah, uh, we got the teaser trailer today. And when I say teaser trailer, uh, John sent this to us. John, do you want to describe the teaser trailer? <laughs> uh, it's like, boo boom, boo boom, umbrella, corporation, warning, a lady closes a blind, a zombie dog, Resident Evil trailer tomorrow. <laughs> uh, my main thing when John told us about this, and I went onto YouTube to try to find the teaser trailer... All I could find were links to videos with people talking about the upcoming Welcome to Raccoon City movie. And it was a, the exact same production stills. I'm like, why can't I find this teaser trailer? It's because the teaser trailer really doesn't have anything in it that's really worth talking about. But man, I'm excited for tomorrow and ultimately next week when we actually get to talk about this trailer. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we're recording, like I said, on October 6th. Uh, this will probably get posted on that, uh, the following Sunday, uh, which is the 10th. So you guys have already seen the trailer. Congratulations. You guys live in the future to us, and we are living in the past. So hopefully the trailer is good. Um, is it a prequel? I don't know. Is it a sequel? I don't know. Is Mila Chonovich in it? No. I don't know. No. So, this no. looks like it takes place somewhere between one... If you're looking at the video games, uh, the first Resident Evil and Resident Evil 3. Because it has... So Chris Resident Redf- Evil 2. It's got Chris Redfield in it. It has Claire. It has Leon. It has... Uh, what's the other woman's name? Jill? 
Jill Valentine. And I think it has... Ada Wong? It might have Ada Wong. Um, Does it have Barry? That's what I want to know. I don't think it's got a Barry. I don't don't think it's got Barry. Does it have uh, Snipes? Snips? What's his name? Uh, Wesker? Wesker. (laughs) Snips? Wesker, what's... Are, are you snip, thinking snip. because Wesley Snipes, Snipes? Blade yes. and Blade was yes. basically Wesker, except a yes. vampire? Okay, I was trying yeah. to tr- like I must, follow I must, that. It must have been <laughs> did not make yeah. sense. Get no. Ron Smith fire, guys. Snipes. <laughs> yeah, Wesley Snipes. Snipes. Um, I don't know. Uh, I, this, Ahsoka. Ahsoka Tano. Yeah. Right. Young, young Ahsoka. Yeah. That, uh, I am kind of looking forward to this. I don't know. Not enough to get my hopes up, but, you know, I love me some Resident Evil. Yeah. I played the, I just, I replayed the remastered um, Resident Evil 2. Absolutely fantastic. Great. They did an amazing job with it. Uh, I, I started tried playing that, and then I did still have to find the, like, typewriter cartridges in order to save and i'm like i don't think i can do this they're everywhere i know they're actually so. you walk up to a typewriter they're right next to a typewriter most oh of they're the right time. next oh, usually nice. okay. unless you're on like hard setting because then you're only supposed to save like once Ooh. how long of a game is it can i play through it in one sitting no no then yeah probably. well i mean you could but no uh then, John, you also brought our next story to us. Uh, which one is... Yeah. Uh, I brought all John's the stories. John's the gardener this, <laughs> we got, the gardener this uh, week here. Uh, we got a leaked photo of the Black Adam and the Hawkman costumes from the upcoming Black Adam movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's a Twitter post with a bunch of the Black Adam costumes like hanging on hangers. A bunch of Hawkman helmets that look like Hawkman helmets. Um, and I think the Hawkman chest plates are also there. Mm-hmm. And was there one other picture? I think there was no, four was just, pictures. Uh, just I those saw three? those two. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. I, they look good. It's an off off black uh, for the Shazam suit, but it might look totally different when it's stretched over the hulking body that is uh, Dwayne Johnson. Um, but no, it, this, this fucking movie has been teased for what, like nine years? Like, yeah, forever. Um, (laughs) I I think they just have to keep putting stuff out like this, you know, leaking it out just so people can believe like it is actually happening because for the longest time we just had Dwayne Johnson actually talking about it. And then we got like production artwork and then it wasn't until last year when they had the DC fandom event where they had him actually talking about it. We got to see more production artwork. And then we found out that it was actually going to be almost like a little JSA movie that was like, okay, well this is probably actually going to be happening. So we'll see what happens on the actual DC fandom we're getting this year too. Um, Cause hopefully we'll have an actual trailer for it at that point. Cause they did promise something from it. Uh, Paul, you've been awfully quiet. What did you think about yeah. it? Oh, because I, I'm just so off put by looking at these, like, oh, behind the scenes, like, look at costumes, because honestly, those, those just end up making me angry, because they don't look, they never look right. Like, when we were seeing, uh, before the Flash got his own television show, 
We were doing a podcast. That's right. We've been doing this longer than the Flash had a television show. Uh, we saw behind the scenes stills of, you know, uh, Gustin Grant in the Flash costume. And I'm like, ah, it doesn't look right. It looks like he's just like in this one piece, like motorcycle outfit. I don't like it. And then I watch the show when I see it in action and I'm like, hey, you know what? That works. It's fine. It looks good. And the, nowadays with all color correction that they do for these movies, like, if they take a picture of it with the iPhone, whatever, 13, it's going to look completely different by the time it it's up on screen and I see it with my eyes because there's post-production, you know, film gradient, photoshopping, color correction. So no good can come of me seeing these, like, photos of these costumes. Yeah. The, the Hawkman helmet's really cool, though. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the Shazam costume. But, uh, yeah. The Shazam costume Even Shaz- looks pretty good. Even Shazam, like I was like, oh, this doesn't look right. Like that, like looks like a toy that's on its chest, like that plastic piece. And then they did the color correction on it, and you know, from the trailers and everything, because I still haven't seen that movie. I heard it's good. John keeps on saying I should. We've, watch we've it. talked about it um, on the show. It's good. It, it looks a lot better. It looks cool. Like, but behind the scenes, like no post production effects on these things. I'm like. Nah, it's all right. It's like seeing, uh, uh, what's his name? The guy that plays Vision with all the little dots on his head. It's like, no, I wouldn't want to see a movie like that, you know, with an actor looking like that. And then but you never do see an actor with just the white dots on their head. So you see him you know, with all the visual effects. Looks good. Yeah. Paul, you know what else looks good? The book's coming out. This week, October 13th, 2021? Or is yeah. it 12th? Well, that, oh, yeah, 13th. that and that, your next beer. Yeah. No, my beer doesn't look good. <laughs> I'm drinking uh, VBH. Is that their... Why is it VBH? Well, Village of Hamburg? Village Brewery? I don't get VBH. It's Butera's is the name of their... But it's the name of the shop, uh, but they have VBH on everything, so I can't figure that out. And this is Odin's Red, beer because it's better than living without hope. Okay, cool. Uh, 5.5 alcohol by volume again, and this is just watery <laughs> nothingness yet again. Like, this is, like, I took it the first sip, and I'm like, oh, maybe the beer settled in the can, and I only have the water for the first part. Like... It's that kind of, like, depressingness that's, even off the nose, it's just a little bit of that kind of off malt kind of smell, and, um, yeah. Is there a date on the can, or are you just drinking a old beer? It was bought right at the brewery, like, there's... there's now, did you have any of these there beers is no on, excuse for on tap there? Did you have... No, because I was just picking up stuff to go, um... I was just picking up my dinner to go. We were going to go pick up Thai food. Kate's dinner to go all in the village of Hamburg there. Um, so, no, this isn't great. Maybe maybe try it out, uh, you know, if you're there eating, getting something off tap. Um, I'm going to have to talk to producer Scott. He, he enjoys this place. Uh, he's been there quite a bit. And see if maybe I'm doing it wrong. Maybe you don't. Maybe he just like, oh, yeah, he never buy the things from the can. Just go there and drink right from the tap, like Chris is saying. So, 
Guys say yeah, but he can what? also probably walk there from his house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, it, it's tough when you have a place like that that you somebody has talked about, and you in your head you're like, "Well, that must be pretty good." And you get styles that are easy styles, mm-hmm. and you're like, "Oh yeah, this should be." How can you how can you make a bad amber? How can you make a bad red? Like, you know, when Flying Bison had their aviator red, and it was kind of off, and you're like, "Oh, this isn't as good." Yeah. This is this is a step down from that. Woof. Just like watery and just like you get a hint of that ready maltiness at the very end. Um, but John, what is Chris drinking? Um, you went second last you, time. You know it's from Abita because I told you I had the sampler pack. Uh, are you drinking the Gator beer? Or no, the Gator beer is the amber, right? No, the Gator beer is um, Andy They're Gator. Long- that is not in this pack. Oh. Uh, instead, I'm drinking one of the old standbys. This was one of our favorites when we used to go to Pizza Plant. Oh. Um, this is Abita Res. Uh, excuse me, Abita's Purple Haze Raspberry Lager. Um, looking for ABV, four point two percent ABV. So again, very light, very crushable. It could just be my tastes have changed over the years, and I've had better beers, but this just isn't scratching that itch that it used to. Um, I don't know if just the raspberry has been toned down. It's still very nice. It's still very light, refreshing. See, but that, like, that raspberry is just not as, like, as much of a pop as it used to be. I, I think a little bit is the, the fact that you now have super fruited beers. Yeah. Where it's not just like, oh, hey, we make this subtle raspberry, and because you're not used to raspberry in your beer, you're like, wow, now you have beers that are brewed with the raspberry puree so much that you could stand a spoon up in your glass. Like, the super-fruited beers have, I think, changed what you think of the subtle-fruited beers. Uh, I, I we had a, get it. Like, I still taste it. Like It's still there, but it's just not what I remember it being. And it could be a little of column A. It could be a little of column B. Or it could just be, over time, Like maybe maybe they've cheaped out a little bit. Like It's still... It's faint. It's there. It kind of like rolls on the back of the tongue. But, yeah, it's... I don't love it like I used to. I would say yeah. now this, this is a bargatory beer for me. I would say, like, in my opinion, in my opinion, after having like a Minky Boodle, where yeah. it tastes like raspberry puree, it's raspberry preserves in a in a glass. Mm-hmm. How could you go from drinking that beer to then Purple Haze or even like UFO Raspberry, mm-hmm. like? those nice subtle flavors which was perfect 12 years ago uh 15 years ago it totally changes that beer from then to now like they weren't doing that one they wouldn't have been able to preserve that beer and send it up here like they just wouldn't have been able to do it it's crazy that they can do it now with like Chris can get Minky Boodle, a Buffalo Brewery's beer in Florida. Like, 
and it's shelf stable. Like it's okay to be warm on the shelf. So it's, I, I, I think it's a little less, I, I highly doubt they changed anything. It's the fact that they haven't changed anything. They haven't upped their ante on that raspberry. They're just still making the, that beer. And we've just had bigger and better fruited beers to, to go like, Oh, this is a ghost of what it used to be where no, it's just, yes, it is. It's, it's a ghost of a style. Like now you have it. So it just like pops. Like I think even Chris, you said when you had the blueberry wheat from Ellicottville, when I brought it down, you're Mm -hmm. like, yeah, it was good, but it just wasn't as blueberry as I remember it being. And that's another one that hasn't changed. It's still the same blueberry. Yeah. That's it. Uh, and then, John, before you talk about your next beer, Paul, I did some some research, and the VBH stands for Village Brew House. Because uh, I'm okay, actually so on their their Facebook right now. And some of like, their pizzas and their sandwiches actually look really good. So, How was the pizza? Or you had a calzone. I had the calzone. I was feeling very Ben Wyatt. Um, it was good. I, I liked it. Uh, I did pick it up and then went to pick up Kate's food and then drove it all the way home. So I think it got a little soggy, uh, you know, with all that travel time. I think uh, if I ate it just fresh, I would have uh, re- re- enjoyed it a little bit more. But no, the spinach and meatball, I thought was a great choice with the ricotta cheese and mozzarella on the inside and the uh, marinara sauce. Two cups. They gave you two oh, little, nice. uh, those, you know, plastic cups for dipping. Uh, large enough. Felt really full after eating it. So I, I, I enjoyed that. <laughs> it made me excited to try their beers. Because <laughs> um, I'm, because I'm trying to see where is it located. Because it says it's on Main Street in Hamburg. It's right near. It's like right down from Coyote Cafe. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Across the street from Comfort Zone. Down the street from Spot Coffee. You know, that area. Yeah, that area. Uh, but John, what are you drinking next? I am drinking from Open Gate Brewery, and I wish I had this beer for my first one, because guess what, guys? It's an amber ale. Oh, hey. Oh, man. We could have three-peated amber ales. I know. If only I'd known. Well, uh, he, Chris had an amber lager, though. So, still an amber. It is still yeah. an amber. Um, but also, I got a little bit of a theme going this week, guys. And this is uh, mm. this is hopped beers that normally aren't hopped. So I had a hop oh. lager. I got a hopped amber ale, and um, I said Open Gate Brewery. You know who owns Open Gate Brewery, guys? The same people that committed suicide to get on Hailbop Comet? No, uh, Guinness. This oh. is their American oh. brewery uh, in Baltimore, Maryland. And this is an Eldorado hopped amber ale. So um, Harp owns them. Right? Isn't Hop Harp the owners of Guinness? No, you, you would know. I believe Guinness is Guinness. Guinness owns a uh, harp. Because the Guinness uh, emblem is a harp, and they named their pale lager harp. Okay. I, I, I wasn't sure. That's why I'm asking. Yeah. Uh, but this is a pretty decent um, beer. The hop is not overpowering. Um, it's very multi-forward for an amber ale. Um, it's good. I like it. Um, I'm almost done with it, but I didn't have to like pow like I didn't have to power through this. 
but I also didn't feel the need to like, oh, slow down, you're drinking too much. This is a nice just sit in sipper, but for like a five percent beer, I four point eight percent beer. I don't want just I don't want it to be a sipper. I want something that's like, oh yeah, this is nice. I'll have another one of these. I don't really want to have another one of these. I'm glad I tried it. Um, I just saw on their website, they just put up for Oktoberfest, they put up a Oktoberfest beer, a Schwartz beer, and like I think a Fall Amber. And I was like, oh, those would be interesting to try. This beer didn't turn me off to trying other things that they're putting out from Open Gate, but it's not like I would kick down any doors or like, I gotta get to Maryland to, to buy this beer. If I saw it out, I would go, oh, yeah, I would try that on tap. Or, oh, I would get this as a single or in a craft pack. I wouldn't want a full six-pack of this. Depressing. But right, I did a, did a little research. It was Heaven's Gate, who I was, was thinking of. Yeah. Not Open's Gate. Um, I knew what you were and, talking about. I just powered past your bullshit. Okay. <laughs> and you're right. It was the Guinness Company, now known as Diego, Diageo, uh, Diageo, Diageo. Yeah, they own so. like Seagrams, and it's headquartered in London, UK. I, I feel less Irish now every time I drink Guinness, which is awful. But Harp, it is brewed, Harp is brewed in uh, Dublin, so. Hmm. So, why don't we uh, brew up the comic books that we're looking forward to coming out October 13th? What book is that? Uh, I've been enjoying what I've read from the Star Wars High Republic line so far. And we're actually getting a new miniseries coming out of the High Republic publishing imprint. And this is Trail of Shadows number one. Uh, This is written by Daniel Jose Older with art by Dave Washer. And this is a miniseries that's seeing a Jedi Master partner up with a private investigator who are out to solve a crime. Um, it's a murder mystery. It could be good. It could be bad. We're going to be talking about another murder mystery later that, you know, I have no interest in now. And I thought I was going to be excited for it. <laughs> but this is a Star Wars murder mystery. That could be fun. Um, so I'm looking forward to checking that out. Paul? Uh, you know what? I bought the, the back issues of Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, and I didn't realize they never really wrapped it up, uh, because I haven't read this yet, and I'm glad I didn't pick it for the trading policy, because this is Sabri- Chilling Adventures of Sabrina number nine coming out this week, which is Witch War Part 3. The second oh, that sounds plan. like it's right up so your alley, though. You don't need Parts 1 and <laughs> yeah. 2. Parts 3 is where it really ramps up. No, I... I one and two are just setting the table. Part three is where they pull the tablecloth out from underneath everything. <laughs> and then you're surprised. You're getting whatever the chef has made for you, not what you ordered at all. So uh, so here we are. We're, we're finally with issue three. It's taken them so long. Even on the cover that was uh, uh, written by, or drawn by Robert Hack, there's a word balloon. Sorry, I've been away so long. Have you missed me? But I do have to say, I think they've drawn Sabrina on this cover to look a lot more like the actress that played her 
on the television show than she was I previously. I saw that too. It does look like the uh, it does look like the actri- actress. Yeah, a lot more than yeah, yeah, a lot more than what was uh, like on issue six. <clears throat> that damn cat or issues, you know, five. So very weird. Oh yeah, I see it. But, yeah. <laughs> but hey, uh, I picked up the other ones already, so why not pick up this one? Maybe, maybe, maybe we'll get a trade and policy soon-ish. With the wrap-up of Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, since that show is no longer a thing. But who knows? Who knows? Who knows? John, do you know what you're picking for this week? I do. I am picking um, Batman the Imposter number one. And this is a book from the DC Black Label. This is written by... Matson Tomlin, and the reason I'm picking up the book uh, is Andrea Sarantino on art, because I do enjoy that man's artwork. Uh, but this is a story of Batman, who's Bruce Wayne, who's been Batman for uh, over a year or so. That's what they say in the thing. Uh, who has made some who's been helping to clean up the city, but who has made some foes and they found a way that they're going to try to neutralize him by having a, someone else on the rooftops pretending to be Batman to discredit him and where this is going to lead to. Um, sometimes these black label Batman books are really good. Uh, we just read, uh, Gotham or Batman White Knight and really liked it. Um, hey, maybe I'm going to be on the ground floor of another really good Batman book. Uh, but it's going to have amazing artwork in it. I know that. So that's what I'm picking. And you know what I picked? Yeah. A dramatic reading for Paul. And now, a dramatic reading from Silk number one, page 11, panel six. The Mulligans were shot up behind the Edge pub. They all did. Ooh. Your source gives you intel via emoji? I know. Totally weirdo. But they're reliable. Want to come with? Or just kissing Jonah's butt again? Shut up! I'm coming. That was a dramatic reading. <laughs> From Silk, number one. Page 11. Panel 6. And if you want to see I that couldn't panel, tell who- you can uh, check it out over on our Instagram page. Those all get put up there as we're recording, so it's already live. Yeah, I, I couldn't tell who, what, where the voices were coming from. They're coming from I tried to off give- the phone. Was- I was trying to give the emojis like a sound effect, because I'm like, how do you do emojis via sound? I'm guessing- I think you just say beer emoji. Skull oh, emoji. Okay. I did woo for that. Now, John, (laughs) now we can talk about the next beer. Now I can talk about my beer. I'm having from Community Beer Works, local Buffalo Brewery, their West Side Harvest Brown Ale. And this is with collaboration with uh, Brew House, 1927 Brew House. Uh, I don't know what that is. Uh, but this is a delicious 
Hoppy Brown Ale. And this is this is really dynamite. The hops uh, really go well with that roasty, nutty character of a brown ale. It's got that little bit of dry your mouth out. I just want to keep taking sip after sip after sip. I opened this during... Uh, uh, spoilers, Paul and I did a movie fix together in the middle of this show. I opened this in that, and I was fighting myself talking during that about how good this beer was. It's really good. I I put this up there with how good their black IPA was. Um, I haven't had a good hoppy brown ale in a long time. I think Smutty Nose put one out with it had like a dirt bike racer on it. And that was fantastic. But that was like seven years ago. This beer is delicious. And I, I really like it. Paul, better luck with your next beer. Do you really like it? I don't really like it, but at least I know what they're going for. And they're scratching that itch. You know, is it a hard scratch where it's going to alleviate that? You know, that itchy pain? No. But, you know, it's it's doable. It's like giving yourself a back rub uh, or a back scratch off with a, one of those back scratchers. Um, this is, again, from Terra's, a.k.a. The Village Brewhouse. And this is their West Coast-style IPA, their Homie Chino. And this is, now that I understand, going for that kind of dank-style uh, West Coast IPA. Not like the juicy, juice bomb IPA, but that dank musty hop um it's okay it's it's it is fulfilling that niche it is fulfilling that promise unlike the other two the amber and the reds where i felt like they were watery and just nothing was there this has that danky musky uh i you know hoppy flavor uh throughout it's decent it's uh 7.1 alcohol by our abv and again, in a 16.9 fluid ounce can. So maybe that was my problem. Maybe I should just stick with their IPAs at uh, Pitera's. Um, I'm not a big fan of the dank style, you know, IPA. So it's not something I would pick up again. But if that's something you're into when you're in the area, it's that's the one I would order right now. So... Chris? Uh, my third beer from the Abita Party Pack is their Giacomo Juicy IPA. And this is a double dry hopped IPA sitting at a nice 6% ABV. Uh, I looked it up because there's a very nice tropical fruit flavor to this. So I was hoping it was going to say something on the Abita website about it. But it just says it's a double dry hop IPA packed with Citra, Apollo, and a blend of experimental hops. Uh, I don't know what those experimental hops are, but this is just hitting right. It's a very nice hazy IPA. It, this is the winner from this sampler pack. If I could just get this on tap somewhere, it would be the perfect summertime or, you know, October in Orlando night beer because, yeah, it's still like 80, 90 degrees here. Um, this is a winner. I'm really enjoying this one. I had one of them the other night and I did enjoy it, but I don't remember too much about it. Cause it was just sitting there while we were watching, uh, 
something on HBO Max, and I'm thoroughly enjoying this a lot more now. Um, good on you, Abita. Like more more beers like this, less beers like the Amber or Purple Haze that are just like passable. And uh, that brings us to our main topic, right, guys? And, guys, we read some comic books. Some of them good, a lot of them not so good, in uh, September. Where did we want to start? Should we... Do we want to... Do we, do we want to start with Chris's um, book? I, I have no horse in this race, even as someone that bought a book that we'll be talking about, so... Should we start with John's and go from worst to first? <laughs> yeah, that's fine by me. So the Jaws two books, then Chris is in the mine, right? Like that's the power ranking. So, right? so yeah, like, uh, we don't talk about it up at the front of the show anymore. But uh, heading into our main topic, we're going to be looking back at some of the comic books that we read for September twenty twenty one. John brought two books to the table, including Last Flight Out number one and Lost Falls number one. I brought Batman versus Big B, A Wolf in Gotham number one. And then Paul had the comic book that we liked, uh, Marvel Dark Ages, number one. Uh, so this this is why I picked up Lost Falls. No. Oh, you have a, oh, you have a reason starting for from it. the worst. Okay. okay. <laughs> something, something made you te- be like, I will buy this book. Uh when Detective Daniel uh, Plinkin wakes up in Lost Falls on the shores with no recollection of how he got there, he struggles to piece together the events that led him there as he investigates a phenomenon surrounding his memory loss and the town itself. He discovers horrors, both human and otherwise. Twin Peaks meets Love Con- Lovecraft Country in this social mind minded mystery thriller. I can kind of get the Twin Peaks-ish. You don't get any of that from this first issue. If I hadn't known that reading this mm-hmm. book, I would have been like, so, what yeah, the I, fuck? I, I didn't and then I read this book and I said, this book. what the fuck? It kind of sets it up with so, like, Lost Falls being that weird town, but mm-hmm. it's not weird in an interesting way it's just weird and like i don't care about any of these people and now someone's floating weight uh yeah i this was the second book that i read and i was surprised that somehow i read a book worse than the first one no offense john <laughs> no offense i uh, trust me i read both of these books last night and you still and left them on the list. When I, when I went to when I went to go read these, somebody had already read them. I typed in on Messenger, guys, we can cut these books, we can add Aquaman or whatever. But I was like, somebody already read these books? And I don't want to be like, hey man, yeah, my bad like my bad. I'm just gonna make the third guy in this group read it. Like well, <laughs> I was sorry. I was I must have been I was the third one because I read it today on my lunch break at work. <laughs> I must have. I read these right after I posted the last week's episode on Tuesday. So, so I'm pretty sure you read these 
like you finished the first book and then I finished <laughs> the first book and then I went to go look at the other one. It's like, oh, somebody read this one too. Mm-hmm. Like I just was like, oh, I literally was going to say cut these books because at least the I think the other one's a little more interesting of an a premise. Yeah, but I but this is poorly executed. And this is a comicsology original, which I'm like, they've been putting some, they've been putting some good creators in there. This seems interesting enough. It sounds it. When you read this, you're like, if this could be done well, what was there's um, Twin Peaks, Lovecraft Country. There's Twin Peaks. There's hold on, I got the trade over here. Just okay. give me one second. Well, while you're talking about that, I'm going to talk about. Like, yeah, the, the, my problem with this book, and I'm just, like, reading it, and I'm like, oh, John's going to like it, and I'm going to be the odd man out that I don't like it, because there's nothing for me to grab onto. If this guy was coming in with amnesia and trying to, like, piece together his life, and this was more grounded in the real world, okay, cool. I can kind of get into it. But there's a floating glob monster mellow man coming out of the water, so anything can happen. Anything can happen in this reality. Anything can happen in this world. You might be changing dimensions. It doesn't matter. There's nothing for... There is no mystery because... It, because it, the mystery can't be solved. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. It, if the mystery isn't solvable, it's not really a mystery. It's just unknowable. And I, that's what I feel about this first issue. It sets it up in such a way where it's unknowable. Strange, you're talking about Strange Strange Haven. Strange Haven. Uh, Gary Spencer, Mildage, this is Twin Peaks Mm -hmm. meets Twin Peaks. Like, this is like, oh, yeah, you tell me that I read the book. Yeah, it's a bunch of weird people in a weird town with a bunch of weird stuff going on. I think I I had that trade at one point. I read that trade. It did not. It was just a bunch of weird stuff. It, there's nothing that is in there that I remember because I read it before we started this podcast. Like, that's how long ago it was. Like, Yeah. But I read that because I watched Twin Peaks. And I think somehow I started talking to Don about Twin Peaks. And he was like, oh, yeah, this is like Twin Peaks uh, comic book. I picked it up. I bought two trades. I didn't read anything after that. But... When you mentioned like Twin Peaks in a comic book, I think Twin Peaks the TV show, and I also think of Strange Haven. This book just did not. It's garbage, and there's a. This week I was going to buy it for look back. It's Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo back together again, doing a comicsology original, and I'm like. Do I want to buy this book? I've bought two previous. I didn't mind the... What, who was it? It was uh, the winter one where they're on the ice skates oh, and uh, the monster. With the um, guy that wrote uh, Essex County. Um, Jeff Lemire. Jeff Lemire, and it was... Uh, I can't remember the name of it. Jock? The, it was Jock on art, right? And then... Yeah. Uh, so... Oh, what was the name of it? It was, yeah, it is, yeah. yeah. But it had another great, it had another great creative team. But I'm like, 
do I chance that, like, a Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo book, like, it'll look good. It probably will be well written, but am I going to like, am I going to like it? Do I, do I waste my money again on a comicsology original? And that's a great yeah. team, Greg Capullo and, and, and. And what got me about this one too is there literally wasn't anything that made me want to care about the book. I don't like any of the characters. I don't like the plot. I don't like the art it was hard to find something to make me keep turning that page so i'm I'm sorry john uh uh, don't be because i literally was gonna text cut this book so but somebody already read it and i was like paul fuck you i guess that's (laughs) i did my homework for this episode. Look, you never do your homework. You read the show, you read the books uh, right before the episode most of the time. I told you guys leading up, because, you know, I was very busy with Kate's birthday weekend, that I was going to edit the show and post it on Tuesday and also read the comics that, at that point. Like, that was the plan. And I did it. Uh, so my la- my other book was Last Flight Out. Uh, written by Mark Guggenheim, which is the reason I picked mm-hmm. it up, because I enjoy Mark Guggenheim. Haven't read anything from him in a while. And uh, Eduardo Fertigo. And this is a asshole who's had a family. His wife is killed. He has other people raise his daughter because he's too busy being an inventor and making millions of dollars the world is about to end he's had three of these spaceships leave earth to go (laughs) inhabit something else the third one's about to leave with he's supposed to be on it in the last 24 hours before it's supposed to take off he hasn't found his estranged daughter and for some reason this guy who hasn't cared about her before is like, I need to find her before we take off. I think he's Reed Richards, where he cares about his family, but when there's a problem that needs solving, he's going to work that problem, work that problem to the detriment of everything else. And the reason why he was doing like automated uh, driving cars and all the other stuff was to build, you know, those were the stepping stones that... Those are the problems he needed to solve for this larger problem to be solved, which is, you know, grand space travel, fully automated to to survive, you know, arcs, Noah's arcs for the world, you know. Uh, and yeah, they made him a bunch of money. And he lost his wife and then, you know, threw himself into his work. Like, I can understand he that. He already had thrown himself yeah. into the work. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And the book uses that as an excuse for him as well with his daughter. But I don't think... You've already shown me that he missed his daughter's birth. Mm -hmm. He also... The transit police who are trying to call him to say his wife is dead. he, He declines their call three times before he finally picks up to be like, What's the problem? That's not my problem. Like, yeah, it is. Your wife's dead. And then he's like, oh. You know, like... When I said he's an asshole, he's an asshole. Okay. I didn't. I didn't get that read from that. Like I, I got no. read. I got read Richard's vibes. No, yeah, I just. Where. I got straight up. Just this guy is an asshole. Okay. 
And but that's the thing, like at least with mm-hmm. this one, I liked the premise enough because it does kind of circle back where it's like he has that moment where it's like, no, I have I've wasted all this time. I didn't get to know my daughter. She needs me now, and he has to go on that journey to find her. But also, like, I don't care about him enough that I want to see him find his daughter. It's more that premise while they have that kind of ticking clock of, like, we need to get off the planet now because, you know, we only got, like, another good six years left and we won't have another window for the ship to leave for another 68. And there might not be enough resources left on the planet to build another one of these arcs as well. So, it's... It it's very cliche, and I thought like, oh, it could be cliche, but there's times where things are like, oh, it was cliche, but it was really good. Like, but this is that like the helicopter crashes, the army men don't want to be there. Are they all going to come together to find his daughter and get back in time? Like, nah. So, like Chris said, like I I I don't. When you care. picked this for your list pick, like two weeks ago, I think now. Um, my question was like, oh, so this is like a premise for like a TV show or a movie or something. And that definitely seems like what this is because like, I could see this mm-hmm. being that kind of like elevator pitch in an issue. But I feel like it's been done so many times before. Like you said, it's, it's cliche. Like I feel like I've seen this disaster yeah. movie so many times. And there's not enough newness here to make me want to see through, like, whatever ever comes next. I don't know if this is a miniseries or an ongoing, but there's not enough here that makes me care. Like, I'm sorry, kid. Like, I don't care if your dad finds you. Like, that's your story's not interesting. Chris, she doesn't really exist. It's just, it's just a book. Oh, I know, but I'm just saying. <laughs> no, I, I know what you mean. I, I'm trying to put some humor yeah. in this because I made you guys read this garbage. Like, I would have cut these. I would have loved to have for us to talk about Last Ronin. Yeah, I didn't even, even get a chance to read that because I was reading all the other books that we had. Um, if we want to head into my books now, I'll talk about the Aquaman 80th anniversary special, which I had picked up. I had it as oh. my list pick. Hmm? I, I didn't no, we, we didn't all. have I to because I read it and me reading it was literally me flipping through it being like, I I don't care. I don't care. Oh, this is a cool story with Aqualad meeting his dad, who's Black Manta. Is it great? No. But there's reading this book made me realize like I don't care enough about Aquaman that I have to read any more Aquaman stuff and I don't have enough nostalgia for Aquaman that I cared about seeing any of this. And it's in such stark contrast to the Green Lantern or not, sorry, Green Lantern, Green Arrow one that we read last month that each one of those stories I'm like, oh, like I get, I get this. Like this is this version of Aquaman. Like they're telling a story in that Continuity, that corner of the Aquaman pub or Green Arrow publishing history. I get it. I didn't have that from this book. And I think that's, that's sad as someone that was excited to pick it up and excited to read it. Um, but also 
I I don't think that's any better than any of the books that you brought to the table, John. So no matter what we would have cut <laughs> if we had added that on, like literally as soon as I finished reading it, that's when I was like, yeah, we don't have to talk about this. Like I was sitting on my couch and I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to delete this from the list right now. Was the Aqua Lad meeting Black Manta, was that a zero issue for the new comic series that's coming out, basically? I, uh, it Aqua does Man becoming? lead into like that. Okay. So, you know, cool. If you're- well, and Black, Black Manta's got a yeah a series out, too, right now, too. Yeah, he's got like three or four issues in with Black Manta. I think the second issue was coming out. Oh, okay. Maybe that's what I saw. Yeah, I, mean, I just, you know, like to add numbers. Yeah, not that it was poorly done. Um, I think that was kind of my biggest complaint about these two other books, uh, Last Flight Out and Lost Falls. Like, there just wasn't enough there in the execution. I think maybe the Aquaman one, if I was a huge Aquaman fan, I would have had more coming out of it. I would have walked away with a better mm-hmm. experience. But when you buy one Aquaman comic book every three, four years because it's a new number one and you want to pick up worse, mm-hmm. you know, where it's going from, or it's like an all-star creative team on it, like uh, Jeff Johns and Ivan Rice when they had their Aquaman run. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of like that more event Aquaman than I think just the, oh no, Aquaman and Garth are going to be fighting sea wizards. Like that That's not a fun six-page story for me. But does... Topo, his friendly octopus, show up. I think so. Topo? Topo. I think so. There's a, a lot of that stuff. But again, like, I, I didn't care enough on any story. Even, like, even if I had one story in there that I was like, oh, you know what? This book's a wash, but, you know, this is redeeming. You guys should at least check this section out. I would have told you, and there just there wasn't. Mm-hmm. Because most of my Aquaman uh, knowledge comes from Tom Caters doing his uh, series Tom versus Aquaman. So, yeah, that's all like the Silver <laughs> yeah, Age stuff. Yeah, it's yeah. so good. But Tom versus Flash it, was so good. It's fun with him telling you uh-huh. that. And like Chris, like you said, like the the Ivan Reese, um, Jeff Johns, Aquaman, the. Of um, what is it? Avengers, the Justice League Obsidian Age mm-hmm. book uh, miniseries. Um, I really like that. Like those are the only times I've really liked uh, Aquaman. So yeah, I I don't. Aquaman doesn't have those big stories. Mm-hmm. Like when he lost his hand and his hook, I think he just appeared like that because it was the nineties and it was extreme. And then they gave him back. He they gave him a water hand mm-hmm. after Obsidian Age, and then he was Aquaman with the. Thing. He, made like, the well, let's- he made he met the lady in the water, right? And then he she gave him the water hand, and then it had healing properties. I don't I don't remember. And then you know, then they killed him off for probably like a second time, and then it was like another person being Aquaman. That was the magic hand. Aquaman, I think. Or was that like oh. the Swords and Sorcery Aquaman? That was like the Swords and Sorcery one, where he was like, originally, like, he was like a blue creature, and then he made himself look like Aquaman. 
Yeah. You had a cool suit. It was a good-looking book, and but, then, yeah, again, just, I didn't care, so I'm sorry. Uh, I didn't have anything else to contribute. Um, I just kind of need to wash the taste of all those books out of my mouth, so let me just take a sip of my next beer here. Wow. Guess I'm going for four. Oh, yeah, I had, a, I had a sampler pack. Uh, I mentioned it before. Uh, my fourth and final... Also from the Abita Party Pack, this is their Strawberry Lager. Uh, again, 4.2%, all very light beers. Um, again, this is my fourth beer of the night, and I still feel like I haven't had anything. So, you know, take that as you will, because these are all just pretty much session beers. Um, well, we have been recording for three hours. We, we've been recording for like an hour and a half. You guys have been recording for three hours. I see. Mine says two hours. Uh, yeah, but this recording. is a very nice, like, uh, it feels weird to say, but it's like a rustic strawberry taste. Like, it's a real nice, like, berry taste. It's not like an overly sweet, like, candy, like, faux berry taste, um, which I actually really like. Well, they have that, what is it, strawberry yeah, they have, harvest, which is a, a which wheat. Is yeah. their strawberry no, lager. No, that was a wheat, I think, because this is the strawberry lager. Because I know which one you're talking mm-hmm. about. Yeah, it must be the same beer then. They might have changed it. I don't think they had a strawberry. Wasn't beer. there one called Strawberry Fields? Or is that just a beetle? I think that, is that, I think, is that a beetle. I song? think that's a different, different beer. Oh, okay. But John, what are you drinking? Uh, I am drinking microphone down. He completely chopped his microphone. Completely cry chopped. Yeah. So I have my. I have a little. I have a little rolling. It's the keyboard tray that I rest my microphone on. I'm sorry, everyone, but my big fat belly pushed it in and knocked my microphone. So they, as I reached for, they did have the strawberry harvest lager. So I don't know if this is the same one or if they've changed it enough that they're just calling it strawberry lager now. But they might have rebranded it. Uh, But I'm drinking. From Resurgence and Brickyard Brewing, uh, smells like Buffalo Pilsner. Now, this is not in theme with the other ones. This isn't a hopped Pilsner, uh, but this is Chris. If you want to look oh, at I've, this, I've seen that everywhere on my Instagram feed because, uh, for those of you that don't know, Cheerios are made at the General Mills plant in downtown Buffalo. So. As you're driving into downtown through uh, the Skyway Bridge, you smell Cheerios. And that's kind of become one of Buffalo's catchphrases is, you know, my city smells like Cheerios because it does. And then some days you can tell when they're actually doing like Lucky Charms because like that day is <laughs> oh so good. Oh, a little it's sweeter. a nice day. Yeah, if you're at the uh, uh, going to see a Sabres game down down in that area, the canal side area, yeah, you can definitely smell the uh, the General Mills factory. Or uh, if you if you went to see a Blue Jays game, that's true. Uh, Salem's Field, also, yeah. Salem's Is it Salem's? Field? Okay, I yes. don't know if they had changed it is, again. Is it still Salem's it's Field? Been, it's been like twelve things over our lifespan. I don't know anymore. Okay, so it's been. Uh, pilot oh, nobody's going to care about this. <laughs> Nobody cares. <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> We're from Coca-Cola. Field. I don't even care. Bison's field. Uh, but John, does this deliver on that Cheerios? Because that's what I would want from it. So, 
This, I don't believe this is meant to taste like Cheerios. It does have a nice oatiness to it um, from the malt character in it. It doesn't have that nice crisp pop that I like in most of my Pilsners, but this is kind of like a nice roastiness to it. I don't think they were able to use like Cheerios in the mash or as a grain component, but I think they use the grains that you use to make Cheerios in it. It's a nice drinking Pilsner. I am not unhappy with this. I think it's $10.99 for a four-pack Tallboy can of this, which I think is perfect. Like, this is just a great sitting around <laughs> drinking beer. I'm sorry, Paul sent us the list of names. <laughs> I had to. I had to say I'm it. not reading it. Fine, guys. <laughs> you know, you could have just, like, bullet pointed him, like, Sailing Field, Pilot Field, North of Don't North humor America him. Why Park, are you like, reading it? <laughs> There's one more, Dunshire Park, and that's uh, all of it. I thought it was... Uh, Coca-Cola Field. You missed Coca-Cola no, Field. I mentioned that earlier when you told me that nobody would care. <laughs> <sighs> if you cared, let us know. Email us at gmail.com. Please. <laughs> um, this is a nice Pilsner. I don't know how you would get this beer to... I, I know how you would get this beer to taste like Cheerios, but I don't know how they would do it without... Overly malting it? Yeah, or, you know, trying to use it. It's a nice, oaty oats pilsner. So it's good for your heart? It's... it's Yeah, it's good. I I like it. I think it... It, it doesn't deliver... Cheerios, but I don't know how you can deliver Cheerios. So that was my... What was the last time... Sorry, go ahead, Paul. What was the last time you ate Cheerios? Um... A year and a half ago, we had Cheerios for Grayson, and I Uh, would... You know, little kids, eat Cheerios. I'd have... I'd I'd pour it in his thing, and I'd throw a handful into my mouth, because they're Cheerios, you know? As soon as I saw this start to pop up on, like, the Resurgence Instagram and just on my timeline, I just had this image in my head of, like, you pop the top on the can, and it's just that, like, Cheerios smell. I... That could just be a pipe dream, though. Yeah, because Cheerios are very toasted oat to me like they're just a toasted oat flavor so but i don't know like um, they are really good i don't want to talk too much about cereal because we've done that because like last week i think <laughs> well, last episode oh, yeah. three episodes ago i think uh, yeah but no i'm i'm glad you got to try it i'm glad i got to hear a little bit about it because that one definitely did catch my attention just with cheerios being such a quintessential buffalo thing um and speaking of cities we got some stuff going down in Gotham City. Mm. Uh, this is book one of the DC Black Label series, Batman vs. Bigby, A Wolf in Gotham, uh, written by Bill Willingham with art by Brian Lavelle. Um, there's a murder in Gotham City. Batman and Robins are on the case, yeah. aided by commissioners from the GCPD. There is some weirdness to this book, and 
I get that it's black label, so it doesn't have to be beholden to any kind of continuity that came before. But it seems like Bill Willingham took that and it was just kind of like, okay, well, I can do whatever I want. That's absolutely fine. Um, but Bill Willingham has been a very hit or miss writer for me. Fables is a definite hit. Bill Willingham Robin run, though, was something of a miss. And this is more Robin Bill yeah, Willingham you, than Fables Bill Willingham. Yeah, Bill Willingham kind of dodged a good Robin story when he was Well, generally, <laughs> I, I think he, he just missed the mark. Because he created a character called the General that was Robin's new idol and took him under his wing. Yeah, it wasn't great. Um, and also, Dodge was his sidekick's thing. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah, he has super speed. I don't know. I read all those comic books, though, and somehow I still wound up picking this up because I love Fables. Uh, we've talked about it before on the show. The 1001 Nights of Snowfall is one of my all-time favorite original graphic novels written by Bill Willingham. And I think he does that kind of, like, on-the-nose fantasy extremely well. And I was kind of hoping for glimpses of that in this book, but it's not there. This definitely leads more into that Gotham City underbelly. People don't care, but they care because they're gangsters that want you to retire and live well. It's not a great book, and it's a very broken like Batman, too, where he's kind of chummy with people it's if adam west was delivering any of these lines from batman i would believe it because it kind of leans more into that campiness than it does you know what you would expect from a batman Batman, what are you what are you gonna do i'm gonna punch somebody yeah like it's it's not great and then we have multiple robins because the first time you see Robin, I'm like, okay, oh, well, it's definitely Dick Grayson. But then he mentions that Tim and Steph are on their way to go do something, too. I'm like, oh, so Stephanie Brown's Robin, and so's Tim Drake. Wait, what? And then they show, like, one of the Robins, like, who's supposed to be Tim Drake in the hood. And I'm like, well, that's Damien? So Damien's here, too? It's... It's Again... In keeping in theme with everything else that we've talked about, it's not well executed, and I kind of wanted more. And the art, the art is very nineties, two thousands. On the art, I do want to assume they went more with the fables style of artwork, like that yeah. kind of house fable style from Mark Buckingham, where everything was kind of like a little bit more rounded and. Like, yeah. flat-colored and whimsical, because this is a fable story. You know, Bigby Wolf's appearing in it, but it doesn't really work for Batman. Unless you're putting Batman more into that fable's world, which... It, that could be where the book's going, but there's not enough of it here for me to get to that point. And... Also, if it's Batman versus Bigby, you got to give me at least a little bit more Bigby than just like two pages at the very end where he gets captured and wakes up in the Batcave. What are you talking about? He's sitting in, they show him sitting in the first like 
right in the beginning, he's sitting there smoking his cigarette. And I'm like, dude, Batman, I, Robin, I, turn around, like, turn around. Can't you see him? The, he's right there. He's right there. I don't there. want to tell Bill Bill him how to write his own characters, but I just feel like at that point, Big B should have made himself known before that, like at the scene of the murders, like what, 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 like uh, yeah. be that person also, that walks around like the beam and like start partnering with Batman at that point and like uh, you know you're working this case too kind of guy like also I don't want to tell Bill Wellingham how to write his characters but when he threw that smoke bomb I was like oh he's yeah. just gonna blow it away mm-hmm. and I was like uh, uh then you get those panels of him like eh, ooh ah Ooh, E passed out. Like, I was like, uh, this isn't. He's blown away whole armies. I didn't, I didn't mind this. No, I didn't book. mind it, but I, I actually did, wouldn't no. mind. I wouldn't mind reading the second issue. You know what I like the most? I like the criminals. Like, the, the, so the, the, the criminals the are very much that, like, that Dick Tracy style villain. Like, where they're all just like, yeah, I'm a criminal. Can't you tell by my pins? And he's like, <laughs> I, I have something to do with the books because all my henchmen are named after authors. Mm-hmm. And I was like, who is he? I like the. I don't care about who's killing the criminals. I want to know who the bad guy is. Like, who is he? That's what I want to know. I would keep reading this book to get that out of it because I want to know what fable character is the criminal that he left fable town to become to be a villain in in Gotham and he's naming all his henchmen after authors um I mean I I bought a bunch of books at once and a lot of them were big oversized special editions because like John mentioned before I also picked up the next issue of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Last Ronin, which I think was like $8. Uh, I got the Aquaman 80th Anniversary Special. I thought this one was a lot more than it was. It was only $4, but I still feel like that was a little bit too much. Um, it just didn't have that same pedigree that I feel like we've gotten some from some of the other Black Label stuff we read. I mean, obviously... White Knight was a, a knockout, but even the uh, what was the Wonder Woman one, Paul, that you picked up? Oh, uh, black and white and gold. Black yeah. and gold. Uh, black, white, and gold. I, I would rather take my four dollars and put it towards something like that, like that anthology series, than mm-hmm. pick up number two of this. And I love both Batman and Big B Wolf. Well, you know, every once in a while, you you, you find a creator that you go back to and. You know, like and other times uh, they let you down, but Paul's got like such a, like a star. Like, oh, oh hey. I picked out the best book. I'm this. I'm the big boy this time. Ooh, yeah. Most you of the time, hear it in my voice. I'm the big man today. Uh, and that's how it is with uh, Dark Ages uh, from Marvel Comics Studios. This is issue one, written by Tom Taylor, art by Iban Calio, and. Uh, this is Tom Taylor. He did a similar series back over at DC with Deceased. Um, we've enjoyed Tom Taylor's run on Nightwing, yeah. right? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Quite a bit. So he's like a name to look out for now. So I'm like, okay, a lot of people loved all this 
deceased, and then it got like what three or four different uh, spinoff series after that initial run. Yeah. So let's see what he does with uh, <coughs> every single character over at uh, over at Marvel, uh, and it opens up with the Fantastic Four, basically, uh, or eventually gets the Fantastic Four. So you know I'm in, uh, but it opens up with Spider Man hanging out with a uh, Power Man and Jessica Jones. Right, um, and MJ, and also their daughter Maya, Mia, May, May Parker, May, right? Yep. May, uh, who has the spider powers? They're just hanging out, and all of a sudden, they real everybody realizes anybody with precognition, precognitive, precognitive, precognition, yeah, precognitive. Anybody with uh, spent, uh, spider sense, they uh, all the psychics. Why didn't you just say spider sense? Well, because it's more than it's that. It's all they show. It's all they show is the spider sense people. No, they show psychics and then the really smart people working out things, right? Yeah. Uh, and they realize that the, there's something horrible in the center of the earth, and that's whatever is horrible is a celestial, and it is waking up. And it will destroy the Earth unless they destroy it first, dude. Uh, who is this? Moonchild? Moon? Uh, yeah, Moon Girl. Moon Girl. Moonchild Moon is the princess from Neverending Story. <laughs> no, we got. There we go. Uh, Jean Grey and Professor X feel it. Apocalypse know. is aware of it because it's something yeah. older than like the old. Him. Mm-hmm. Um, Moon Girl's like, hey, I gotta go see the second smartest person in the world. And then she goes to see Val. And then they go tell Reed Richards, who's like the third or fourth smartest person in the world right now. <coughs> but it's a lot of- And then the watcher the watcher shows up to explain it all to you. Yeah. And and I still didn't mind. No. This is definitely written in that um, Brian Michael Bendis uh, big event book kind of thing where it's finally the last issue of the big event, and then he just tells you what has happened. But unlike that, it's the very first issue, and he's letting you know what has happened so you can enjoy reading the, the actual series. So this is just set up, this whole... They, they avoid extinction. They, they avoid the planet blowing up by basically doing an EMP and knocking out the, all the world's power. And now... They're in the quote-unquote dark ages. Um, web shooters are done. This tech suits are done. Uh, people with pacemakers did. Sorry. Uh, yeah, this is an apoc- apocalyptic event. And uh, what did you guys think? Uh, I liked it. Um, this was the best book we read uh, for this look back. And absolutely... Since we're doing the show, after the show, I will read number two. And as long as you're picking them up, Paul, mm-hmm. and as long as they stay on this path and be as good as this book, I will continue to read them. I really liked it. I really liked that flash that flash forward where it's Spider-Man telling this story around a fire, and then you see the bad guys coming, which is... Apocalypse, 
It looks like a carnage version of Miles Morales, a beast. You have the steampunk Iron Man suit. Reed Richards is there. You have uh, um, Lady Deathstrike-esque character. Like, I thought she'd be dead. What is she doing alive? Like, she's mechanical. She shouldn't be working, right? And yeah, I'm guessing that's Hulkling. Uh, Hulkling, or I was thinking Amadeus Cho, maybe. Mm. I think it's Cho uh, because they show him earlier as one of the greatest minds yeah. when they're talking about things. And if you look at this, this team for the most part, Beast, Cho, Iron Man, Reed Richards, like the greatest minds are uh, okay. Are with Apocalypse? Like, see, I thought it was uh, Hulkling because he's like saying goodbye. You know when. All the mechanics, die, all the electronics die. There's Hulkling there, you know. No, that's morning that's Amadeus Cho. That, that's yeah, that's oh. Cho. Okay, I bet you good. I didn't know. Hulkling. Hulkling already had his book because he was like a scroll, and he was like yeah. emperor for a while. Mm. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he's around anymore. Yeah, he's somewhere. I think he's unrolling like the scroll empire now. I haven't kept up on that stuff because that's yeah. That was like a crossover book that we didn't read. And that's actually what I thought this book was going to be because I didn't know too much about it heading into it. So I thought this was going to be the next big, you know, Marvel Universe crossover book because we don't read those anymore. You know, the stuff like Fear Itself, Siege, Secret Invasion, like those books just don't interest me anymore. And that goes for DC too. Like I don't have to read that blockbuster series because I'm not going to pick up all 34 spinoff books that happen too. So I thought this was going to be in line with that, but what I was actually given was an out of continuity, like apocalypse story, which also looks like it's going to turn into an apocalypse story because he's in it too. (laughs) Um, But I think it's a really fun, interesting take on the Marvel universe, almost akin to like, a Marvel 1602, where you're seeing these characters kind of living their lives in a completely different way, just because of the situations that they were either created in, in 1602, or have now entered into with Dark Ages. And I, I'm excited for the next batches of it. And I think this book was good amidst everything else we read that because we read a lot of bad comic books for this month. But I think even if we read this with better comics, we would still come out of it being like, oh, this was really fun. This was interesting. I want to see more. It was well well done. done. I want to see more of this world. Yeah, I I love Tom Taylor's take on, like, the building of the team, too. Like, they're like, oh, yeah, you got to have the invisible woman there. You know, her force fields can protect them from the heat of the core. Uh, ben Grimm has to be there just in case anything can be solved by hitting it really hard. Like it just like he he gets these characters and like when Peter Parker runs out of web fluid, you know, like his web fluids stop working. He's not concerned about that. He's concerned about getting home to MJ and his kid. Like it's like you know he's just kind of understands the grasp of these characters. Doctor Strange being like. No, I like I. There's nothing left for anybody to do except I'm going to be here to make the sacrifice. Sue, you got to go. Like, go live. Like, it, it. It's fun. It was just a fun, 
book, I hate seeing Ben Grimm die. <laughs> like, but you know, that's what this book calls for. So, yeah, uh, it also makes you then go like, oh, everybody's going to die, mm-hmm. and everybody on that team that was sent to kill that being died. Like, died. Except for it Sue. was except, except for Sue, but everything worked really well. The one thing that I was like, I didn't know, like, I wouldn't have said that Spider-Man's web shooters would have been electronic. Like, to me, I always thought that they were, like, the cartridge was there and he pushed down, he shot the web. I feel like the cartridge is more pressurized and him, like, hitting it, like, releases it. Like, pneumatic or mechanical. Right. But, again, this is the new, current Peter... So maybe they are electronical. Uh, who knows? Well, they look um, very mechanical. One, he's you know seven years from now. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm interested. I I'm interested to see this world again. Like Chris, like I didn't think I thought this was a book in continuity. Like this is the big event. I love that this is out of continuity. I think that's kind of why, like I liked. Batman the White Knight, because it took from all previous Batman stuff and wrote a story that captures that stuff, but it I don't have to worry about it being like this is now the main story. It's outside of it. I can just read it and enjoy it and not be like but how are they going to bring this guy back for adventure? You know, Fantastic Four is currently going and Reed Richards and uh, Ben Grimm are alive. You know, like, mm-hmm. I don't yeah. have to think like that. Think I can just read a story like, and enjoy it. What, what, what comes yeah. next? Exactly. <clears throat> um, and like you said, like, 16, 1602, or even, like, um, what was the Marvel book that was, like, the Kingdom Come version of Earth Marvel? X. Oh, yeah. Earth X, like even that, like I enjoyed. I enjoyed. It's not. A, it's not as no. good as Kingdom Come, but I enjoyed. I enjoyed that book, and this, like, I got the feeling, the same feeling of like Earth X with this, or Kingdom Come with this. Like, I want to see where this new world is and where it's going to go, and it's done really, really well. Fully agree. Uh, we don't need to do power rankings. We did it, like Paul said. Uh, yeah, <laughs> from worst to best. Um. Okay, so my favorite name for it has been definitely uh, Salem Field, just because I love oh, the hot okay. dogs. Anyways, uh, this <laughs> uh, the worst one is downtown, uh, downtown ballpark. That's just like you know, no creativity. This uh, this month has made me realize, like, yeah, sometimes we do need to be selective with books and. I'm glad I was able to kind of get ahead of things because I I had a bad month as a comic book reader. Like, I wasn't picking up stuff, so I bought just, like, a big chunk of books all at once. And it was mostly the stuff that we we're going to be talking about for the show. And then I sat there on my day off and started going through them, and I was like, nope, take that off the list. Because originally I was I did have Last Ronin on there, but then I took it off because I'm like, well, we've read, like, the other the first three issues on here. I'd rather talk about, you know, some new stuff. So I took it off and I was like, nope, not talking about the new stuff. 
Yeah, uh, it, it happens. Uh, but if we mixed a book, and Paul, I'm so glad you brought Dark Ages to the table mm-hmm. because I feel like it's a book we would have. Uh, I gave Paul but shit if we- when he picked Dark Ages number two for his pick for the list the other week because I was like, "Did you read the first one?" Yet? And I said, and "Yes." And then he was like, "Yeah." Think. Then he's like, "Thing dies," and I was like, "Oh, you ruined it for me. I got to read this in a week." <laughs> uh, but if we missed a book, if there is a book that we should have read, let us know over on Facebook, Instagram, wherever you follow us. Uh, rate and review us. Let us know that you're listening, that you like us, uh, or let us know what you were doing wrong. Uh, it's a lot. We know. You don't have to let us know that. We, Everything. We don't record us. a podcast while you're drinking. What? No. <laughs> what? No, we're old school podcasters, so that's all we know. Four beers in on this, and yeah, I finished. I'm going to have another one beers. as soon as we end this call. 